0: B-Movie Bonanza How you doing? It is Scotch along with Bob Harris from the Mighty 790 KFGO and uh, once again, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about a movie today that holds a very special <laughs> place in my heart, not only because it's one of probably the first exploitation horror comedies I cut my teeth on on VHS in the 80s, but because I actually did the official comic book adaptation of the movie, and that movie is Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers.
1: And, and, and when you see the anniversary edition, there is an ad back there where you
0: can get a copy of Scotch's comic book. That's weird, because I've never actually gotten to see that before, but I know, I mean, I've got copies. Of the comic book, and I know they're out there. And you gave me one. Yes. Thank God. Thank you very much. That was very kind of you. You are very, very welcome. I've got uh, probably just a few left. Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers came out in 1988. When I first started in radio, which is early 90s. Uh, they used to have, instead of Facebook, there would be message boards or chat rooms you could go to. And uh, I made a point of visiting a lot of the like celebrities and directors that I liked. So Fred Olin Ray had a a, uh, a website called retromedia.org and he had this message board. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because you could go on there and talk to Fred Olin Ray and other directors like Jim Winorski and a lot of the actresses and actors that were in his movies would regularly be on these message boards. So when I was doing my radio show, I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out and see if I can line up an interview with Fred Olin Ray. And sure enough, he said, yep. And I was flabbergasted to have him on the air. And while I had him on the air, I said, you know, you should really consider having somebody doing an official comic book adaptation of your movie. And surprisingly, he said, well, yeah, that sounds like a fine idea. (laughs) And I had been doing some uh, artwork for, uh, for Hustler and for Cracked Magazine. So Fred had seen a little bit of my artwork and, uh, He actually paid to have the comic book pressed, and then he, like, gave me copies. As payment, he just gave me copies of the comic book so I could, like, sell them on my own. I didn't actually make any money on it, but I actually got physical copies that I could sell at comic book conventions and things like that.
1: Very cool, very yeah. cool, and uh, and uh, there is an ad as I mentioned in this this anniversary edition. I have mm-hmm. others may not have it, but uh, you know if you want to find out more, uh, contact Scott here at the studios. Sure, I'll sell you some. <laughs> <laughs> Try and make my money back. This uh, th- this movie, by the way, bas- I mean th- the title basically is it uh, Hollywood chainsaw uh, hookers is, is what happens, but there's a little bit of satanic uh, satanic stuff that goes on towards the end as well. But
0: uh, uh, and it's in the film noir type of uh, format as well. So this has got everything in it. And, you know, it sounds like it's a little more salacious than it actually is when you watch it. uh, Any nudity or gore in it is done very tongue-in-cheek and and pretty sparingly. It's it's mainly following Jay Richardson around, and he plays a private detective who's helping out this young lady uh, named Samantha who's played by uh, Linnea Quigley in there trying to find her sister who joined this chainsaw cult. And what's neat is Gunnar Hansen is the leader of the chainsaw cult. He's the same guy that played... uh, uh, leather face leather in the face. texas chainsaw massacre movies and you get to see what he actually actually looks like you yeah know? and it was very and they were talking
1: about in the commentary that he actually did his stuff like in a one or two days or mm-hmm. something and then
0: they just pieced his stuff into uh, the movie wherever they could that's so typical too yeah. they'll, they'll always if they get any kind of a name they'll get them for one day maybe two day and shoot all their scenes and then the rest of the time they can uh, devote to the rest of the players, and usually these movies are done on like a seven day shoot. Yeah, I think this one's actually done less than that. I think it's like
1: mm-hmm. five, and they used they used Olin, Ray, Olin Ray's house. Uh, they found a, <laughs> like, like a, an old garage someplace where they did a couple of other scenes, and uh, but I find two the most. You know, not only is it an interesting movie to see how it was produced, but as always, as we mentioned on these uh, these, these uh, podcasts of ours, the commentary is almost the best part. You yep. get to hear how they save money and uh, how corny this was or <laughs> or what this actually was. It's not really blood, but this is what it is. This is what we had to use. We just didn't have the budget for it.
0: And he wanted to do a play off of the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre title. Apparently, when he first went out to L.A. or went out to Hollywood, he would see those... Uh, flyers that people would hand out that would say, you know, for a good time, you call this number and this woman will come to your home. And he said, you know, you don't know who you're calling. It could be some killer that would come to your house with a chainsaw and cut you <laughs> up and then decided, hey, that's a great idea for a movie. I'll make it Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Did you notice, by the way, the chainsaws, you know, it sounded, it
1: looked like the motors were running. But the chainsaws, the chain itself must have been disengaged
0: because if you look real close, you don't see the the chain moving. Oh, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a chainsaw battle between Linnea Quigley and Michelle Bauer, and yeah, one of them could have easily gotten diced up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the
1: the the chainsaw, by the way, it proves out to be. Uh, uh, one of the key pieces of evidence, and at the very beginning, which is the lady is Fred Oland's wife, if I remember right. Uh, he was dating her at the time. I yeah. think it's Don Wild is her name, and uh, just she shows uh, how this could possibly be the uh, the the weapon of choice. So yeah. it was uh, it was uh, it was really uh, it's campy, but it's funny. I love the film noir uh, twist to it, and uh, even though there was some nudity in it, you know, I mean, what the heck? I mean, this when was...
0: somebody gets cut up, they've got they've got limbs flying all over the place, and you can tell it. Rubber hands and buckets <laughs> of blood being splashed against the wall. It's very funny. They were talking about there's there's one incident that happens in a
1: bathroom, and they said it was so tiny that we hardly had a chance to uh, really throw the blood in the right direction. <laughs> you know, yeah. They had to use all this other lighting, and they were pointing out mistakes. You know, all of a sudden this the scene had candles in it, and all of a sudden the candles were gone. I
0: mean, it's it's, yeah. it's a
1: class, it's a classy movie. The it's commentary really is fun.
0: The movie's way better than the comic book. I, uh, I would that, that was my first oh I don't know about that I looked I read it it wasn't bad that was my first full-length thing I'd had published you know that was like a full-length story I'd just done little bits for cracked and stuff so I didn't really know what I was taking on and it took me a long time to draw that I'm much quicker now I've, I've done other movie adaptations as comics but yeah I didn't know what I was signing on for it took me probably a, a good a good year to do that but how, how long do you think it would have taken
1: you if you had to colorize it because it's been like mm. the,
0: the comic books in black and white, right? Oh, yeah, it doesn't really take me much longer to do it in color. Probably would have been more fun to do it in color, but I knew that we were going to be operating on a budget, just like he always is. So, but it was fun to do. So, how many times do you think you've seen this movie? My God, probably. Like I said, I started watching it uh, when it first came out in the 80s. So I've probably seen it a good 30 times. Because yeah.
1: I, I think I've seen the commentary a couple of times be- before we did this podcast a long time ago. But you always learn something new. I mean, there's something... Oh yeah, that's right. He mentioned this before. Yep. Oh yeah, look at that. That's uh, cool. There's still a scene at the end they didn't explain it, uh, where
0: the guy opens up two cans of motor oil. I mm-hmm. didn't quite get that. <laughs> they, they say that it's like a drink of the blood. They're doing like a like a ceremony, and then they pour, he pours up the motor oil and he, he drinks it like they're doing a sacrifice. And and I don't know the, the guy who who drinks it. His name is Dukey Flyswatter. He's yeah, actually a, what a like name, a, huh? Yeah. He's like kind of was a punk rocker in L.A. and he's in a lot of Fred Olin Ray movies. I don't know if he really drank that oil or not. I wouldn't put it past him. But they do have a very interesting
1: and uh, you know what I thought was very entertaining uh, fire breather. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, that yep. was pretty cool. you got to watch that. That's towards the end of the movie, so if you get a chance to
0: do that. So. All right, seek it out. See it. It's one of those cult movies you just got to see, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. And by the way,
1: according to this, the, uh, the next one that came after this, was Student Chainsaw
0: Nurses, (laughs) which never got made, unfortunately. (laughs) Boy, I'd like to see that one. I'm Bob Harris from the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm Scott from Jack FM. Thanks for listening. This has
1: been your B-Movie Bonanza.